Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by UnitBee Coworking. UnitBee is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. Join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations all dedicated to getting things done. Besides desks and offices, UnitBee offers members access to its podcasting studio and meeting spaces, as well as a kitchen, Wi-Fi, and the usual amenities. It's located in the historic McKinney Building on 104th Street, close to everything downtown, including the Bay LRT Station. Book a tour today at unitb.ca. Quick disclaimer, I am still in cold recovery. My voice is very gravelly, and I am doing this episode with a Hall's cough drop in my mouth. Yeah, we're uh, still a house of sickness, as um, we are beginning to suspect... Our toddler may have reinfected both of us with the cold that he caught, possibly from one of us, possibly from someone else. We don't know. Either way, things are a little scratchy, but that's not going to, that's not going to prevent us from doing an episode. It's nonsense. Nonsense. We will continue to press on regardless. Chapter three of our novel, to take a brief look back, things escalated very quickly. Very. As uh, Agent Thompson and his partner, Owen made their way to the sketchiest Airbnb <laughs> in all of Metropolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, a, in an attempt to stay underground, as it were. Were immediately found by merciless killers. Owen's plan failed utterly. Then ended up inadvertently killing someone and burning down a car. Uh, they didn't kill him. He committed suicide. That's not the way the cops would look at it. And no. that leads us directly into Chapter 4 of The Municipalists by Seth Freed. So making their way from the car fire in the parkade, uh, Owen flags down another one of the self-driving cabs. Yeah. Um, it's time for Owen to enact his plan B. Yeah. He also gives Thompson a quick once-over and tells him his injuries from his fight with Teddy and Sewage Bro Biggs are, are fairly minor. And that uh, he should maybe take a look at them as soon as they get to their next destination. Yeah. He still needs first aid, but he doesn't need, like emergency. Yeah, there's no reason to go to a hospital. Yeah, no. He'll be okay. Yeah. Um, he then launches into his essay on the differences between the Seven Samurai and the Magnificent Seven, uh, fulfilling a promise from a chapter or two ago. Yes. Also, I think as a helpful distraction to Henry about the fact that, you know, he's battered and bleeding a little. Yeah. Thompson also decides that it's probably a good idea to feign interest at this point, uh, if only because he doesn't want to hurt Owen's feelings again. Because apparently Owen has feelings. So they end up pulling up to a luxury hotel. Right. So Owen's plan B is the complete opposite end of the spectrum here. And they're going for like five star, ridiculously expensive luxury. Yeah, uh, they've pulled up to the Eldritch Plaza and Owen explains that he's booked them the entire top floor villa. And Thompson is gobsmacked. (laughs) 
Because, as you say, uh, not an hour ago, they were in the worst part of town at the sketchiest looking safe house that he could find on the dark web. But Owen's logic here is fairly sound. Oh, I agree. He's like, look, plan A was to try to remain on the DL, and that didn't work out. So obviously, plan B needs to be maximum security. And the most secure place in town is going to be a place that regularly hosts ambassadors and diplomats and presidents and queens. And yeah. that's going to be the Eldred Plaza. This place comes with its own private security. Yeah, it's, as he puts it, safe as mansions, adding that mansions are <laughs> statistically safer than houses. Proving that Owen hasn't quite mastered colloquial speech yet, because <laughs> Thompson reminds him that the phrase is safe as houses. He's like, no, no, mansions. It's like, uh, no, you're missing the point. Anyway. So as they make their way to the front desk, Owen throws up a disguise. Uh, he disguises Thompson as basically uh, a transient, like scraggly beard, long duster. Worst disguise ever. Well, it's Read the room, an Owen. An effective disguise, just not for that particular place. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he also then gets pretty flirty with the AI at the front desk. Is that even a thing? I, I guess so. I mean, this is a future where Owen exists, so it it stands to reason that while he is a particularly sophisticated AI, there are likely somewhat less sophisticated AIs in regular use. Yes, that's what I mean. Like, is is she like a really good AI? Well, is she just this, trained this, to smile at customers? <laughs> I would assume she's probably actually a pretty good AI because this is a luxury five-star hotel. Fair point. And they can probably afford some pretty sophisticated heuristic networks. Uh, I also like the moment in the lobby where Thompson, who's still injured and is not at his best, ends up tripping over a luggage cart on their way to the elevator. And because Owen is not tangible, all he can do is kind of bend at the waist and shout encouragement for him to get up. That must have been a very humorous scene to witness. Yeah, there's people in that lobby are not certain exactly what to make of this whole situation that's going on. But uh, they get in the elevator, they head up to the top floor to the palatial suite that cost as much as a rec center in a small town <laughs> to rent. Thompson is continuing to be a little off-put by Owen's uh, fudging of the books in order to expense their trip. As would be expected. But is, at the very least, pleased that it won't be reflected on his expense account. Oh, no. He's he's not filing a personal expense report at this point. Uh, they get into the suite, and uh, after taking a little look around, Thompson heads into the bathroom to give himself some much-needed first aid. So this is like a poor man's low-level die-hard moment where he has to pull the splinters out of his own body. Well, because as previously mentioned, Owen is not tangible. Yeah, exactly. He so. has to do it himself. Uh, Owen does helpfully seat himself on the toilet in an effort to offer him advice because he, of course, has access to internet of medical course. databases. But seeing the actual splinters wedged into Thompson's flesh really drives home to Owen in that moment the fragility of his mortal companion. And it causes Owen to essentially crash to blue screen. <laughs> yeah, he faints. Like the computer version of fainting. At the sight of blood. He passes out. <laughs> which Thompson is... Not certain exactly what to make of. Again, how does that even happen? He's a well, computer. It's, it's the difference between... It's just like a real person. You read about something, and intellectually you're maybe prepared for it, but then in the actual moment, if you see it, that's an entirely different matter. Yeah? And in this case, you're also dealing with a computer who's maybe never really seen an injured human before. Like an actual injured human. Fair enough. 
But for someone who was raised on Kurosawa movies, uh, the, I know film violence is different. And that's I even know. that's even touched on in the text is that uh, this is a person who was raised essentially on cartoon violence. Let's be fair. Yeah. And to actually see an injured person in his presence is just a little too much for him to process all at once. So anyway, Owen passes out very comically. Thompson gets his wounds taken care of by himself adequately, takes mm -hmm. a shower, and then promptly passes out on the sofa as well, exhausted and uh, spent from the injuries of the day. Well, yeah, he's he's just been through quite an ordeal. He's been through quite an ordeal for a normal person. Let alone a pencil-pushing bureaucrat. Yes, exactly. This, this, I can understand for him this being a bit much. Thompson ends up having a weird dream. He has a dream where he's he's doing all of his paperwork. He's dotting his I's. He's crossing his T's. He's stamping the form five times. Uh, <laughs> and like a good bureaucrat. And like a good bureaucrat. And then a faceless black-suited agent smacks some dentures down on top of his paperwork, and it causes everything to, like, burst into flames. And he wakes from this terrible nightmare where his, his precious paperwork was made askew. Now... I'm no dream interpretation expert, but that seems pretty obvious to me. Yeah. And that does wake him in a cold sweat to see Owen standing nearby having himself a, a 9 a.m. drink, because, of course, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Of course. It's When you're, when you're tapped into the internet, it's always 5 o'clock. Look, Owen's just been through an ordeal. He's never fainted before. Yeah, he's super defensive about this. He is very insecure about that. Yeah, he mentions that he's patching himself with uh, an update that'll make it so that he no longer faints at the sight of blood. Uh, and then makes it very clear what he did What he did was not fainting. Was it something that caused him to error? I forget exactly what yeah, he said. Hold on, he has an excellent, excellent explanation of it. Oh, there it is. The interface was just overwhelmed by the intensity of the situation and, and I inadvertently shut down for a moment, which is fainting. Yeah. As soon as I read that, I'm like, that's fainting. Yeah, and then two lines later, uh, Thompson calls him on it. Like, no, that that's fainting. He just described fainting. That's yeah. what happened. I thought that this was a fun little moment, actually. Thompson still has some reservations about Owen. But faced with the obvious complexity and danger of the situation that they're suddenly finding themselves in, he's kind of starting to appreciate the help and starting to recognize the value that Owen is bringing, even if it is a little bizarre. Yeah. He's he's sort of getting used to him and learning how he works, and vice versa, yeah. actually, because Owen's learning how to interact with Thompson, too, because Thompson's not your average person. No. Um, in fact, in this moment, Thompson feels so bad for Owen, who's clearly feeling really insecure about having crashed, that he tries to buck him up a little bit. Like, they're there, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> you're, you're doing your best, and you've been super helpful. And Owen is legit, like, boosted by this. Oh, yeah. Like, the pep talk helps. He even gives him the, a hollow hug that he can't escape from <laughs> because Owen can just project himself around him. Yep. It's great. Can't feel it, but can't get rid of it either. The The note I wrote myself is, aw, he's learning to friend. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Thompson doesn't exactly know what to make of all of this, especially when Owen orders him uh, his favorite self-help book as a, an official declaration of friendship. And Thompson's like, oh, I made a work friend. Oh, with the supercomputer. Like, <laughs> Look, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. It's also kind of sad that that's Thompson's first real work pal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I get 
I get that for a lot of people, the people that they interact with every day at work aren't necessarily friends per se. Like, that's not to say you're not friendly with them or that you don't like them, but they're not the people who you hang around with on the weekend. They're not the people who you go to the movies with. They're not in your friend circle. They're good acquaintances. They're your work friends. Yeah. But the idea of not having anyone at work who you're on friendly terms with is very depressing to me. Right? Yeah. Who do you go for coffee with? Yeah. Right? Like you just sit in your office with your one model train and eat your sandwich? Depressing. That is very depressing. And that's that's really sad. And that's also completely in character for what we know of Henry Thompson. Yes. Sadly. Uh, whom the closest person he's been with at work was his mentor. Yeah. Who's now being uh, usurped, kind of. Pretty much. So, on on with the case. Uh, they get into the briefcase that they took out of the car before they set it ablaze and start going through it for clues and information. Yeah. Um, it has a couple different bits and bobs in it. Um, the first is a book on Esperanto. Makes sense. Seeing as all of these uh, rogue agents appear to have been learning Esperanto. Uh, it also includes a cryptic note in the margin of the book, Ex Libris Sfem. Which I looked up. And? Uh, Ex Libris is Latin. And Svem is probably Esperanto. Um, I don't think it is, actually. Oh. Because SF isn't a very common uh, combination of letters. Yes. Sf. Right? Um, So Ex Libris is Latin, meaning from books. Yes. And I think Svem is an acronym of some kind. Could be. That's my guess. Could be. Um, there's also a prescription for ketoconazole, which is an antifungal medication. And Owen presumes that it has to do with the dentures. Makes sense. They also find a legal pad, which contains a string of numbers. And Owen is quite pleased with himself because he quickly pieces together what this must be. I was super proud of myself. I recognized that as time before I got to the point where Owen was like, yeah, these are clearly hours of the day. Yeah. Uh, specifically, the office hours for local civic buildings. Yes. And based on some of the scribbles, he points out that it appears to be the layout of the Metropolis Museum of History. And there are X's, which he points out are probably the route for an upcoming civic pride parade. And Thompson's like, what does that all mean? And Owen's like, I have no idea. But if (laughs) these people are interested in it, we need to be interested. Yep. And so we have a new lead. Yeah. So off they're going to the museum. That's where that's where it ends. That's where the chapter ends. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're gonna go to the museum. Yeah, fairly uh, a fairly short chapter, as it's we true. kind of wind down from the the action of last chapter, have a little breather, and probably get ramped up for the action of next chapter. I would assume for as much action as you're gonna get in a natural history museum. Oh, you'd be surprised how much action you can get in a natural history museum. I've seen Indiana Jones. Exactly. Also, I've watched the librarians. Now I get it. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see what happens next. I have a feeling, mm-hmm. this is just a guess, Sure, uh, Thompson is going to nerd out. I would presume that as well. Because a museum seems right up his alley. Oh, we know for a fact museums are right up his alley. It's just a shame it's not the train museum. Right? So I think this next bit's going to be interesting. At least I hope it is. I hope there is like a, maybe even a matching of wits between Thompson the super nerd 
and, and own, own the, the super computer. computer. Yeah. Exactly. Well, uh, we'll have to wait and see if that is the case as we segue up into Chapter 5, which you'll want to read up for in time for next week. Yes. Uh, and in the meantime, you can check out some of the people who support the Alberta Podcast Network. Uh, normally, Anita does the second ad read in our episodes where we have more than one read. But today I sound like gravel. And uh, she's got a pretty nasty cough, so she is delegating that responsibility to me. Thank so you, honey. Enjoy my dulcet tones once again as we talk about The Well-Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation, hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink and produced by Lisa Pruden. It explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can check them out right now at thewellendowedpodcast.com. That's thewellendowedpodcast.com. Good job, honey. <laughs> uh, in addition to the Well Endowed podcast, you can check out uh, the member podcasts of the Alberta Podcast Network. You can find a full listing of uh, a menu, if you will, of podcasting delicacies and vittles at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Also on the CKUA app. Yeah. Or really anywhere you get your podcasts from. It's true. You can check us out elsewhere online as well. Uh, we're on most of the social media platforms, certainly all the all the noteworthy ones. Yes, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads, because we're bookish that way. Yeah, we're at the read-along at uh, pretty much all of the above. Uh, you can also email us if you have something longer you would like to say to us. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, and uh, a fairly short episode in the bag for this week... Uh, we will see you next time. For Nerd versus Nerd. Woo! Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Goodreads.